You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning. Can you hear me? Good, good, good. If I'm limping around the stage, don't hold it against me. I, got a, I pulled a muscle in my foot. I think it was Vladimir Putin, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, he's getting the blame for everything these days. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I, so if I'm limping around the place, you can pray for me quietly if you want to. Uh, but don't pray for me loud or jump up and kind of want to anoint me or all. It'd be very off-putting. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. I want to talk to you today about this current crisis. The crisis that is happening now. Because it seems to me, or it seems clear to me, that as we look at the world, there is almost always a crisis. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Did, am I not the only one who spotted that? I, let me give you a brief history of the crisis of Michael Donovan's life. I was born in the year of our Lord, 1967, uh, a long time ago. My mother got my birthday wrong for 11 years of my life. God, help me to forgive. I can remember my first crisis uh, in the early 1970s, in the 1973 energy crisis, is anybody old enough to remember the 1973 energy crisis? Yes, yes, you're showing your age. We'll bring it up to date. I remember the economic crisis of the 1980s, the unemployment crisis in the 1980s, the AIDS crisis, which was a really dreadful crisis in 1981, the Ethiopian famine in 1984, which led to Live Aid. Anybody remember Live Aid? Yeah, there you're showing your age, you're showing your age. The Middle East crisis uh, of, of pretty well all the time, the Middle Eastern crisis. Then there was the Rwandan genocide. We'll never forget that, 1994, what a dreadful crisis that was. Then there was the breakup of Yugoslavia, which was another crisis accompanied by murder, war, mayhem, etc. Who will forget? I'll never forget. Desert Storm, the invasion of Kuwait by Iraq in 1991, and the responding American and Allied forces invasion. I remember it because it was the year I was getting married, and a lot of Christians around the place were saying, this is the end of the world. And I said, Lord, not the year I'm getting married, like... It was a crisis I could do without, I can tell you that. Then, of course, who will ever forget 9-11? Everybody seems to remember where they were on 9-11, of course. If if Faithful doesn't remember where he was on 9-11, because he's only 20. It happened 22 years ago, or 21 years ago, I should say. 9-11, 2001. Of course, then there was the tsunamis of 2004 and uh, 2011, which was the Japanese one. The financial crisis of 2008. Are you with me here? You're seeing a pattern emerge? Since I've been born, there's been nothing but crisis. I'm beginning to think it's my fault. There's been nothing but crisis. And now we have a few other current crises, the crisis that I put up here. So we have the climate crisis. There's been fires in California and Canada and Greece and Australia. The whole place is burning to the ground. If you were to listen to the story of the crisis, there is the energy crisis. The price, the price of petrol has shot up. The price of diesel, the whole price of home heating oil has, has shot up. And I remember back in the 1970s when people complained to my dad, they'd be complaining about how, you know, petrol is so expensive and he would always give the same answer. He said, it's still cheaper than porter. Cheaper than beer. Sorry, you had to be there. Cheaper than porter. It's still cheaper than beer. Not that I'm proposing that at all. And some of you may remember there was this thing a couple of years ago called um, covid Anybody remember that one? That's pretty recent, a global, global crisis. And so there's a continuous crisis. So the question is, how do we respond to crisis? Well, listen to the wisdom, first of all, of, let me turn this thing on. Let me, let's listen, first of all, to wisdom. Three and a half thousand years ago, 
there or thereabouts, Solomon wrote this. Here's what he said in Ecclesiastes. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It's already been here long ago. It was here before our time. There is nothing new under the sun. And sometimes when we're in crisis, we think we just need to get through the crisis. If we can just get through this crisis. But I have news for you. When you get through that crisis, there's going to be another crisis. And it may be a political crisis. Or it may be a physical crisis like a storm. Or it may be a personal crisis like a relationship breakdown or a loss. Or it may be a spiritual crisis. You lose your way spiritually. Or you don't sense God's presence anymore. Or you don't feel his blessing and his favor anymore. Because the best indicator of the future is the past. And so therefore what has happened in the past is going to happen again in the future. What do we do? Let me tell you something. A psychological effect that was described by a guy called Daniel Kahneman, a psychologist. And he said, you know, when we look at the world, the world is a big place, by the way. Just, just for the record, you are here. This map should just basically say cock and the world is what it should say. But you're here, okay? That's just in case you're wondering, if you're wondering where you are, that's where you are. You know, what he, Daniel Kahneman talks about a thing called the focus effect. Now, right now in the world, there's a lot, a lot of problems. There's a lot of things going on. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's famine. There's trouble. There's locust invasions. There's forest fires and forest clearing crisis left, right, and center. But then you have what's called the focus effect. And the focus effect is this, that what happens is as a result of focus, normally driven by media or, or your social media, you know, and that kind of stuff. I just would like to say this, bad news is big business, okay? There's people who are interested in keeping focus. Right now, if you look at the focus effect, there's this one tiny little place and I did it so subtly that you can probably barely see it but it's this little piece here see this piece here anybody know what country that is come on Ukraine 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 is that country and we're basically being told that this is the one that we must focus on now it is the one that's getting attention and rightly so there's a brutal violent invasion and war going on there and the people there are desperately in need as a result of this rightly so that we should focus on it But there's something we should bear in mind. My mother had a phrase. She had nine children, okay? And so every day there was a drama in my house. There was a crisis every day. Someone had a crisis every single day of the week. And some would come. I remember going crying to her and saying, Mom, what about this? What about this? And she'd say, Michael, bye. This was Michael, bye. I can't find grief for everything. I can't find grief for everything. We cannot respond as human beings, and I'm not making a political point, I'm making a human point. As Christians, as believers, we cannot respond with all of our energy to every crisis that breaks out in our lives. We simply cannot. It's bad enough having crisis in our own experience, but none of us can respond to the crisis of the world. There's only one person who can do that. Hallelujah. Only one person. Who can do that? And sometimes you might think, you know, what's the the deal? All of this dramatic stuff, all of this crisis is all happening out there in the world. And, you know, it's all like here we are in the church and we're kind of like, we have the wagons circled and we're kind of just waiting for the end and we're waiting. Lord, come and rescue us from this. I have news for you. The cavalry aren't coming, brothers and sisters. Jesus is coming. We don't know when. 
Soon, he says, we'll have to take him at his word. Soon. And we can think sometimes because we're just a small group of people, 1% of the Irish population, if you will, of this particular type of Christian. You begin to think, you know, we don't matter. It's so small. But you need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible, and you particularly need to read the New Testament because it's spelled out there very clear. We think all the action is going on out there, and we're just kind of in here, the poor but honest Christians working our way through life. That's not the Bible view of it at all. Eugene Peterson translates this verse from Ephesians. I love the way he translates it. This is what he says. He says, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. People think, oh, it's all gone on out there and we're like in the church and we're out in this corner. But if you read your Bible, actually what God is doing in the church is the central thing that he's doing on planet earth today. That's the big thing, believe it or not. What he's doing in the church, and when I say the church, I mean the church corporate, all of those who believe in him. And I also mean the church local, those who gather in groups like this. This is where God's action is at. Would anyone say amen? Amen. And if you don't agree with me on that one, Tom is ready to go fist to fist, toe to toe with you in the backyard the minute church is all over, okay? The whole idea is this. What I want to say to you is this. You can't find grief for every global crisis, okay? You can't find grief for every global crisis. In actual fact, I think it's really an enemy-driven ploy to keep God's people and to keep people in general limping from crisis to crisis to crisis until their life comes to an end. That's what he does. He keeps them distracted and they don't know which way to look and where's the next problem coming from. And the enemy is delighted with that because that means that our eyes, A, are not on God, or B, our eyes are not on the things that we can do something about. C.S. Lewis, in his amazing book, and I'm always quoting C.S. Lewis, don't hold it against me, in his amazing book, The Screw Tape Letters, um, talks about it in this way. The Screw Tape Letters is what he calls a diabolical book. It's written from the devil's perspective. It's a brilliant book. If you haven't read it, read it. It's brilliant. Um, and in it, he makes a brilliant point. Now, I want you to think about all the things that are demanding your attention, whether it's the climate crisis, the financial crisis, the energy crisis, the war crisis, the political crisis, all of these things that are going on out there in the world. Here was the advice of the devil, if you will, to say this to Christians in particular. He said this. He said the great thing to do is to direct his malice, as in his hatred and his bad feelings and bad actions, to his immediate neighbors whom he meets every day. And then to thrust or push out his benevolence, push out his kindness, way out there to the remote circumference of the people he does not know. Isn't that an interesting ploy? I feel for the people who are suffering in certain places. I watch the news like you do. My heart goes out to them. But you know something, brothers and sisters? That is not my calling. My calling is to love the guy who lives next door. That's my calling. Are you with me? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love who? Your neighbor as yourself. Now, with the deepest respect for people who have this kind of globalist view, my neighbors don't live in China. Because I can't call into the neighbors if my car breaks down. With the deepest of respect. Are you with me? Am I hurting your feelings? I don't mean to do that. My neighbor lives next door. It's like me. Imagine for a second. One of my children has a sudden need. One of my sons has a sudden need. They say, no, 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 no. I'm too, I can't help you with that. I've got to help the people in New Zealand with their problems. 
No, no, no. That's not how it works. And I feel for the people of New Zealand. Don't ask me, there's nothing going on in New Zealand. It's okay. I thought I'd go for a nice, safe country. I feel for the people of New Zealand. Oh, I cry for them every night. But you, you, go and leave me alone. And I, I hate the fellow next door because he's always leaving the music on. Are you with me? The devil would love you to be distracted with the world and hating your neighbor. Perfect arrangement for him. Let me tell you something about your life that is important. I came across this quote by a, guy, a woman called Sarah Zlistra, a brilliant insight, and this is what she said. She said, your address is your assignment. Hello? Your address is your assignment. Now, if it just happens that there's someone here this morning from Cove, this is a prophetic word for you, okay? Because that's the tone of Cove, all right? Hallelujah, there it is. Laying it on you, sister, laying it on you. Your address is your assignment. That is where God has called you to be. We know, because we did just a show of hands last week, that in this congregation, about 50, 50, well, half of the people here weren't actually even born here. But you live here now? Yeah, yeah. Amen? And God has called you to serve him where? Yeah. That, that's good, good. And he calls you to love the people who live? Yeah. That's brilliant. No, we're getting it. No, we're getting it. This is your assignment. Whether you live here for a month, a year, Ten decades, it makes no difference. This is the place that God has called you to live in. Are you with me? In the place that he wants you to serve. So I hope that that's a little bit of pressure off. It doesn't mean that we don't do something about people who are in crisis. We should absolutely do something. We did something here. The church gave a donation, as you gave a donation, of 5,000 euros, which we sent to support refugees who are exiting Ukraine. We take action, but it doesn't become the only thing that we do. It doesn't become the only focus of the church. We get on with the work that God has called us to here. Amen? Yeah. And the same for you in your life. This is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And brothers and sisters, whether we like it or not, the world is living through evil days. These are evil days. People are at work. There's powers that be that are at work, but God is in command. Amen? Amen? But let's be careful how we live. Making the most of every opportunity. God gives opportunities to those who look for opportunities. God opens doors for people who knock on those doors. People, God shows people who are seeking. God finds people or gives to people who are seeking. Let's pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities that you can maybe grow in the middle of this crisis. Do you think that's possible? Or do we pray for the opportunity that we might actually begin to spread our wings and bring the good news to people who are living through the current crisis? Amen? Amen. We pray for that maybe towards the end. Let's have a look at a second. But the important thing is this. How do we live? I want to put it in two quick frames. I want to look at two particular crises. One is a personal crisis. The other is a natural crisis. But both happen in the context of faith and both come from the New Testament. But they wouldn't be the only ones you could use. You could use a million cases of people who went through crisis in the Bible. The question is, how do we react and how do we respond? You see, two things happen to you when something awful happens to you or when you have an experience or when you have a threat or something happens to you that you don't like. You have a reaction and normally you have a response. So for instance, let me give you an example. If you hit yourself on the thumb with a hammer or some heavy object, in case you don't have a hammer, you hit yourself on the thumb accidentally, you will have a reaction. Unless you are Saint Joan of Carthage or something like that. You're going to have a reaction. Don't hurt yourself and don't condemn yourself for reacting when you go, bang, ah! 
or whatever you might put in there. Okay, I would never put anything in there, you see. I'm, to the pure, all things are pure. Do you understand that? Don't condemn yourself for that reaction. That's all it is. It's a reaction. However, if four hours later you're still going, that miggly, fucking, miggly, filthy, fouling hammer. No, you've overreacted. That's your response. So in every situation that we face, there'll be a crisis. Um, if you face a crisis, there will be a reaction and there will be a response. Let me look very quickly at these because I'm under pressure for time. I put myself under pressure for time. Anyway, here we go. How's about this for a personal crisis? Look at this. Here's an apostle who's serving God. He loves Jesus. He's out doing his very best. He's working night and day to serve God and to build churches. Here's what he says. Paul, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we all went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. That's a crisis. And in the crisis that they went through, probably in the city of Ephesus, a church he would later write the most amazing letter to, probably in the church, probably in the city of Ephesus, he goes through a dreadful experience and it was so bad that they lost the will to live and they actually expected to die. That's a crisis. And the reaction was to despair over their situation. That was the reaction. But his response was something else. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us, and you are helping us by your prayers. Hallelujah. His reaction was despair. His response was faith. His reaction was pain. His response was to see what was going on in the grand purposes of what God was doing in his life. And that's what the Lord wants to say to you today. Wants to say to you today, whoever you are today. He wants you to not only react, but respond by seeing that God is at work in all of this situation. Would anyone say amen? God is at work on you, through you, and in you. Hallelujah. What about, a, what about a natural crisis? A storm blows over, a tornado, a hurricane. Well, we actually happen to have a couple of examples of that as well in the Bible. Here's a classic, and you all know it. You all know it. Here it is. It's a natural crisis. Here we go. When evening came, he said, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, he took them along just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. A little caveat that people don't often notice. There was other boats out there. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. If you've ever been caught in a lake, as I was, or at sea in the boat, you know what it's like to get a lot of fear into you all of a sudden when the waves get too big. I thought I was going to drown myself one time in the middle of a storm on a lake. Onwards, it goes on like this. Jesus was in the back of the boat, I love it, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Their reaction was panic and fear. That's how they reacted. Would you judge them for reacting like that? If you do, take a look in the mirror because that's what you do. You'd react with panic and fear and that Jesus never rebukes them for their reaction. However, he does say something to them in a second. This is good. Anyway, so he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Hallelujah. 
And then he spoke to his disciples. He said, why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith? What's the matter with you, lads? Do you honestly think that the only son of God is going to drown in a storm in the middle of the lake? Do you honestly think that that's what God's, God's plan is for you? After all that I've told you, is that what you really think? Do you really think that God is just going to let you go just like that? Do you still have no faith? And I just love their response. It says, they were terrified. They were afraid before, but no, they're terrified. And they asked each other, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Hallelujah. Whatever you're facing today, even the wind and the waves obey him. Whatever political crisis there is in the world, even the wind and the waves obey him. If you're facing a spiritual crisis, even the wind and the waves obey him. If you're facing a personal crisis, even the wind and the waves obey him. And if you are with him, he, they, the winds and the waves in your life will obey him too. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Because there's a lesson in the middle of all of this from these crises. And your crisis could take any shape. It could be natural, political. It could be an economic crisis, a personal economic crisis. Lord, I don't know where I'm going to get the money to pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage or make this car payment. I don't know how we're going to be able to do it. That's a crisis. It's a micro crisis, but it's a crisis. And it's a very real crisis for those who go through it. But I love what this pastor says. Pastor and writer, he says this. I, th I thought this was really good. He said, Every storm is a school. Every trial is a teacher. Every experience is an education. And every difficulty is for your development. Amen. Let's just close in prayer now. Michael's just going to leave me in the middle of my mess and say, learn from it. Oh, amen, amen, amen. Every crisis is an opportunity to know God more, to know yourself more, to see God at work more, to build your faith in him who commands the wind and the waves. Do we believe it? How do we respond? Well, let me give you three simple, three simple, simple pointers about how we should, as believers, respond, whether it's to a personal crisis or whether it's an international crisis. How should we respond? It's really simple. You probably would have made these up yourself in there, but what the heck? Here we go. First of all, pray seriously. Paul tells Timothy, he says to Timothy, I, 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 I request that prayers be made for every man, but especially for those who are in political power so that we may live peaceful lives. Hallelujah. Anybody here want to live a peaceful life? Come me and see. The older you are, the more peaceful the life you want. Amen. Pray seriously. Not gonna, ah, ah, ah. Pray seriously. Take the prayer seriously. I like this one. Think biblically. Think, what, would the Bible, what does the Bible say about this situation? How I should respond to it? You know, Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is renewed by the washing of the water. The word Paul refers to it in other parts of the New Testament. Your mind is renewed by the food that you put into, the, into, your, into your mind. Are you with me? Your mind is renewed. Buy your food. The Bible is food. You feed your mind. It gets your mind. You begin to think biblically. No, you won't think biblically if you read one verse a day. You need to know what the Bible says, brothers and sisters. Anyone, amen? amen. You need to know what it says. What does the Bible say about this crisis? What does it say about my personal situation? What does it say about this international situation? We need to pray seriously. We need to think biblically. And then, of course, very importantly, we need to act intentionally. We need to live out what it is 
that we're reading and what we're praying. We need to act intentionally. James, in one, James 1.22 says, don't just be readers of God's word only, but, but doers of it. Do what it says. Do what the Bible actually says. If you don't do what it says, there's no point in reading it. It's not a book of information. It's not a book of inspiration. It's a life to be lived. It's the life that God has called us to live. There's crisis in the world today. There have always been crisis in the world. And there will always be crisis in the world. There may not be a crisis in your life today. But there will be a crisis in your life if you've ever experienced any crisis before. If you're here today and you're in a particular crisis, maybe today is a day when you really feel that you've got a spiritual crisis or a relational crisis. Maybe you've got an economic crisis. Maybe you're, you've got a political crisis. Maybe you don't know which way to think about the world or what to do. We're going to pray in just a couple of moments for you if you're in the midst of a crisis. Is that okay? And the brothers and sisters in Christ here are going to pray with you too. Amen? We're going to pray in a second. But before we do, let me just fire up these last two verses. You know, the Lord is with you. Amen? Amen. We sang about it. We pray about it. We read about it. Here it is from Isaiah. Here's what it says. When you go through deep waters, says the Lord, I will be with you. Would anyone say amen? amen. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drone. Amen? Amen. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is with his people and he asks us to focus on him and focus on his reality and to experience his reality, his deliverance in the middle of all of these trials. Just as Paul said, he delivered us and he will continue to deliver us. Whatever our crisis is, the Lord is going to see us through. Would anyone say amen? Will you stand with me? We're going to pray just before we look at our last verse. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. Here's our last verse for this morning. God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. When is he ready? Always ready to help. Do you need help today? It may not be a crisis, but do you need help today? Do you need help in a relational situation? Do you need help in a physical, a material, maybe a financial situation? Do you need help? Have you got a spiritual situation? Say, Lord, I need your help today. Let's close our eyes for a second. If it's your prayer today, say, Lord, I really need your help today. I'm facing this situation and I really need your help. Or maybe today your prayer is, Lord, I need your deliverance. If that's your prayer, can I ask you, would you raise your hand? If it's your prayer, you need help, you need deliverance, you need rescue. Hallelujah. We're going to pray. We're going to start singing. And I'm going to ask you to come forward. We're going to pray here together at the front just for one minute before we close our meeting today. We're going to sing the song, In the Eye of the Storm. Let's come and pray. In the eye of the storm.
so I can see it, just so I can see it. I can ask you, wherever you are in the room, would you extend a hand forward towards our brothers and sisters here at the front? I can ask you, would you raise your hands before the Lord this morning? We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, Lord. And as we come to you this morning, we know you said, in this world, you will have trouble. But don't be afraid. I have overcome the world, Lord. And every crisis that we face and every situation that we face where we need help, we know that you are always ready to help. Would anyone say amen? And ask you, would you raise your hands high before the Lord? Lord Jesus Christ, I bring my brothers and sisters before you. Lord, I ask you that you would extend your grace and your deliverance to them, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, for those who are facing very difficult circumstances, very difficult crisis situation today, Lord, that they would know your power and your presence. They would know your peace in the middle of that trial, Lord. When the boat is being rocked around, Lord, I pray my brothers and sisters will know the peace of God that passes all understanding, guarding their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I commit, we commit our lives, our situations, the crisis that we face in whatever form that is, Lord, into your hands. Lord, we pray for those who are in relational crisis, those who are in material crisis, those who are in spiritual crisis. Lord, we ask you that you would reach in and they, their testimony would be the same as Paul. The Lord rescued us and he will rescue us again. Will anyone say amen? I want to say just very briefly, there's some, there are some people here and I think you're today, you're in the middle of a condemnation over the way that you've reacted to a situation. I think that's very real for you today. You feel like you've overreacted in a situation. You may have hurt somebody with your words. You may have hurt somebody with your actions. You may have hurt yourself with your words and with your actions. And I honestly believe the Lord would say to you today, come to me for forgiveness and leave it at my feet. Come to me for forgiveness and leave it at my feet. Do not accept condemnation, but accept forgiveness in Jesus' name today. And God's people say, can we all pray? Can I invite you, wherever you are in the room, will we raise our hands to heaven? We pray just before we close. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you have called us to live here in Cork, in Ireland at this time. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace to us that we live here in this country. We pray that we would all make the most of every opportunity you present to us, Lord. I pray for those who are looking for an opportunity, whatever form that takes, Lord. Every heart knows its own joy. Every heart knows its own trouble. Lord, I pray that we as your people would make the most of every opportunity to bring hope and light and life and good news in a world of bad news, Lord Jesus. Use us. We are your servants, we declare in Jesus' name. And may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give us his peace in Jesus' mighty name. And for one last time, God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. May the Lord bless you and keep you. We're going to play out on In the Eye of the Storm, serving coffee and tea downstairs. God bless you.